everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. We have such an exciting guest today. We have Aliza Licht, who you might remember from back in the day as DKNY PR girl. And we caught up with her on what she's been doing. And she gives such ballsy career advice. I loved this conversation. I loved it. She was so honest. Yeah, I'm excited. But first, let's talk about a couple sponsors. Yeah. So this episode is brought to you by Daryl Lee. We are both big candy people and their new real twists are delicious. My personal favorite is the strawberry. Um, we're going to tell you more about them later in the episode. But if you go to the private Facebook group, we're actually doing a little giveaway over there. 15 of you are going to win a VIP box. And Becca and I got the same box and it's amazing. What a dream. We have a candy sponsor. Oh my God. I know. Like, huh. There's a coffee sponsor I'd like to get, but candy is wonderful. This also bleh. this episode is also sponsored by Night Pillow, our favorite pillow for better sleep, better skin, and better hair. And we'll tell you more about them too. But if you want to try Night Pillow for 20% off, use code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So, so highs and lows. Highs and lows. So, Becca, what's your high? Um, my high is that I was in, we were in New York city all week. We had a week off from shows and, um, I just like put all my fun social plans this week. So I feel like I got to see so many friends and we, I had just like a really fun week. We had dinner on Wednesday with Ashley and Raina from girls got to eat and Casey Balsham who opened our live show. She was the stand up comedian. Um, we went to Wyan, this new Indonesian restaurant. It was great. Oh, it was so good. Um, that was really fun. I saw my friend Allie on Tuesday. Um, I went to Polo Bar last night. I'm just like bopping around. I'm a lady about town. I love that. You've had so many fun plans. And your apartment is basically painted. That is more on the low. Oh, I'm looking at the outline. Sorry. I was just excited for you. We'll talk about that. Okay. Tell me your high. So mine is that... Um, 12 of my sorority sisters, I think even more because they keep emailing me, they all live, still live in the Boston area mostly, have gotten tickets to the live show. And like, I'm not always the best at keeping in touch. And it just like meant so much to me. Like my friend Jill is flying all the way from Arizona to go to the show. Um, it's going to be a great group. It's going to be a rowdy crew. I'm excited. My friends are rowdy too. It's we should get like an applause meter. I know. We should pit them against each other. I think we should. Oh, we should do that, actually. I don't know if that exists or if that's something that only exists in Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and my other part of my high is, did you guys know that Dunkin' Donuts is on Seamless? Grace, are you ever going to leave your apartment again? No, I'm not. Because now I can get my iced coffee and my little wake-up wrap delivered to me. This is not an ad. Still still not an ad, Dunkin'. This is just her being legitimately I'm excited. just legitimately serious. I was on Seamless, and I just saw that. And I proceeded to freak out. So they deliver to Brooklyn and everywhere. I think all of them do. Oh, that's going to be a real hangover game changer. Yes, absolutely. Or just like, even if you're not hungover, like when do you not want Duncan? I mean, I always want Duncan, but usually I can walk there. Yeah. Yeah. Duncan is getting so much free content from us. Yeah. Honestly, like if they ever do sponsor us, they're just going to be like, why is the volume of content gone so far down? Yeah. <laughs> Duncan, give us some love. We also, this is kind of funny, we blind emailed the whole Dunkin' Donuts team inviting us to our live show. So I'm hoping that some of them come. I hope so too. 
Yeah. We're crazy, you guys. It's just, we have a, we have a goal. When we set our mind to something, we make it happen. What about lows? Um, so my low, this is kind of a funny one. Every time I show my goddamn bookshelves on my Instagram, like this was a picture of my cat. I will get like 50 people asking me how I'm living with myself with these tall piles of books. And don't I worry that the cat's going to knock the piles over? Um, how do I get books out from below the pile? You guys, they're floating shelves. They're fine. Like I'm a little bit obsessive about my apartment. Trust they're fine. So that, um, yeah, that's my, that's my low. And I'm also just slightly terrified of my calendar next week leading up to Boston. So good luck, future Grace. I know I can get it all done, but I'm a little stressed. What about you, Becca? So Grace alluded to this, but um, I painted my whole apartment this week. And that is the high. However, my entire body hurts. Like everything is sore. I got a quote to paint my apartment and um, it was $4,000 and I just, I cheaped out and I was going to get some other quotes. I don't think that that's like the going rate, but then I was like, what would I pay? And I was like, I don't want to pay that much money to just like paint my apartment white. So I was like, I'm going to do it myself. I spent a good part of the day on Wednesday and Thursday doing it. It looks great. I will say that painting an apartment white is pretty anticlimactic. I love when you put that on your story. It made me laugh so hard. But it's true. It's like it's you did it and you were like, I'm done. It's no color now. I think it looks better. I like it, but I'm like, wow. I still need to comment. I'm going to just heap on the compliments about what a good job you did. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm pretty much done, but my lower back is a situation right now. Ugh. That's awful. It's giving me flashbacks to when I painted my floor like two and a half years ago when I moved in. I couldn't walk. I was like all messed up. You should treat yourself to a massage. I should. I like, what about in the Boston? We're staying in the nicest hotel in Boston. Oh, that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll get a massage on Friday. Yeah. I, I canceled soul cycle tomorrow because I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, my back hurts and then, um, my hamstrings hurt for some reason. I can't really explain that one, but they do. So I'm excited to have it painted, but doing it myself was maybe a little overambitious. It was so ambitious. Just as someone who's like helped, I did not help Becca, but who has helped friends paint, it's the hardest thing. Well, I did it um, very fast and loose. I didn't tape anything. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm like having No, I didn't tape anything because frankly... Um, Somebody had already painted it in the past and did a bad job. There was like already paint on the window casings. Like there's already a few yeah. dribbles of paint on the floor. I was like, I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah, yeah. Taping's the worst part. Yeah. And it's just white. So it's like. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Good work. Yeah. I skipped that step for sure. But yeah. But wait, let's talk about DC a little bit. Oh my God. Yeah. So last week it was weird because, um, Last week, had we... We recorded the episode before we went to D.C., but then it dropped, like, the day we got back. Right. Okay, yeah. That's what I was going to say, is I was like, I feel like... So we didn't talk about it. It was out of time. Yes. So, first of all, D.C., 
you guys were great. Such readers. Such readers. Oh my God. I've never like, had such a, such a crowd that wanted to talk about books. Every book we mentioned, they were like, yeah. There was so like, much applause about books. I loved it. I know, me too. It was really fun. I had no idea we had such a big DC listenership. I know. We need to go back and we're going to take the big room at City Winery that time. And we're going to, we have to revamp the show for that market so that we talk more about books. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, that was really fun. Our hotel was great. We stayed at the Jefferson Hotel. Oh my God. It was so nice. It was like one of those historical boutique hotels. Um, it was like a 10 minute walk from the White House and like the National Mall and all of that. It was so beautiful. What what I loved most was the turndown service that we had every night, like coming home after like a long day of running around or the live show and like the lights were dimmed. The bed was perfectly made again and like pulled, like tucked in so that you could just like slither in. Oh yeah. I mean, the bed was really great, but my favorite thing was the brunch. Yeah. The brunch was really nice. That atrium is so beautiful. Yeah. If you go to DC, you should stay there. But even if you just like live in DC, go there for brunch. Also, like, do what we did and just do a full-on photo shoot because it's beautiful. The lobby has these amazing black and white checkerboard floors. There's this whole library. They call it the book room, but it's, like, filled with historical books. There's a chess table. It's magical. It was a good hotel. Yeah. And, you know, what else was great was Glam Squad. We had Glam Squad come and get us ready, which was so fun. I never use Glam Squad in New York. I I use it like once a month. I know you do. And I never think of it. I always go out for a blowout, but it's so convenient to have them to come to you. Oh, I know. It's so great having them come to you. They also do manicures and pedicures and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you know what we have coming up this week? Boston. Boston is exciting for a few reasons. So first, we both went to college in Boston. We both have a Boston connection. We both have rowdy friends in Boston. Duncan is based in Boston. Duncan is based in Boston. And hopefully somebody from Duncan is going to show. Help us impress Duncan. Yes. Um, and I think we got the hang of this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. You know what I'm not excited about? What? That it's not sold out. Yeah, guys, what are you even doing? Get a ticket to Boston. It's tomorrow night. It's at City Winery. It's a Thursday. That's like small Friday. Come out. Come out. Bring your girlfriends. Yeah. It's the best girls night. And you don't have to read. Oh, my God. You don't have to listen to the podcast to enjoy it. Oh, in D.C., so many people um, who I talked to afterwards said uh, had brought a friend and the friend didn't listen to the podcast. And then they were like, I'm going to listen out. That like made my life. I know. There was a lot of talk about like, oh, I was the friend that was dragged along, but I loved it. So drag your friends like. People do not have to listen to this podcast to have to enjoy the show. It's just a really fun girls' night. Or come alone. Don't be yeah. afraid of that. A lot of people come alone, and they end up making friends. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll sit next to Grace's mom, who's one of our guests. She is. Or my aunt, who bought a bar stool in the very front by herself. I think the bar stools are in the back. Not a, Sorry. A st- I was calling it a stool. She oh. bought a seat in the very front. Great. Yeah. If you see her. Jean Lint Mason, say hello. Yeah. Um, also we should tell people our Charleston guests. Oh my gosh. We have such an amazing lineup for Charleston. So we're going to share the Nashville lineup soon. We're still finalizing that, but we have, well, we have one of my earliest favorite blogging friends from back in the day, Chastity Evans. So you guys might know her as Look Linger Love on Instagram and her blog. She's been doing this for like as long as I have, and she's amazing. Um, we also have her best friend, Gray Benko, who 
oh my God, you have to follow Gray on Instagram because like she's, first of all, a very talented photographer, but she also has the cutest kids and her daughter Ferris does all these like makeup things and where she like smears people with makeup, but it like looks really artistic and pretty. So that is going to be really fun. And then we have Jackie Thompson, who is the founder of Leapfrog PR. So she has all these amazing PR clients down there. She is one of the most stylish people I've ever met, and she's also super fun. But you know who else we have? Who else do we have? Grace's mom. Our most important guest of all. I am wondering if your mom is like trying to edge you out of this. My mom is our is our book's guest in Boston and Charleston. I got her a hotel room in Boston, and she's very excited. Like, do you think <laughs> she's angling for a regular spot? Is I, this the view, like rotating hosts? I think she needs, we should put this in, as a poll on Instagram. I think she needs her own, like, real episode. Next time she visits, she should be a guest. Maybe oh, we'll do okay. a bonus episode with her. Okay. It could be about plants, keeping them. Every time I post my plants, people are like, can your mom do a guest post? I'm like, no. It but, could also be about Grace's teenage years. Yeah. There's a lot to say there. So um, I think she might be slightly angling for a spot on the podcast. Wow. Okay. Maybe she wants to replace me. She's retired now. She's got she's to get some new new ventures going she was down in charleston and she was out to drinks with one of my best friends deirdre like the two of them just sent me a selfie together i was like great like i'm i'm glad you're having fun without me do you think she's trying to social creature you oh my god my mom mom what are you doing <laughs> i don't know i'm just pointing to the obvious yeah so it's gonna be a great night i can't wait charleston's one of my favorite cities and it's been really cute because my mom takes this um stand-up paddleboarding class and she found out that some of the girls read my blog and listen to the podcast and they were, they're going. And so she feels like a celebrity now. She, so she's like, oh, that's my daughter. And then she was like, and I'm a guest at the show. Oh my God. And now she's like achieved celebrity status at the paddleboard class. I love that for her. Yeah. I think that's enough about us. I think yeah. we should talk to Aliza. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. You guys are going to love this interview. It's one of my favorites. We are so excited to introduce you guys to today's guest. So she needs absolutely no introduction, but today we have Eliza Licht with us. So Eliza um, is a fashion industry insider and veteran, and she's the founder and president of Leave Your Mark LLC, which um, is also the title of her book. You might remember her as DKNY PR girl way back in the day. She was DKNY's SVP of global communications and widely regarded as a pioneer in the brand in brand digital strategy. I know that when we were at Bobble Bar, we always were looking at what you were doing. I remember back in the day, we used to um, tweet back and forth about Gossip Girl episodes. Yes, I remember actually when Bobble Bar started tweeting about Gossip Girl. Yeah, I was like, that was me. I knew it was you. Yeah, but I remember it because. Because I was like, oh, good yeah. good for you that you're yeah. joining the conversation. It yeah. was, I was listen. like, we're going to give our brand a personality. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Those that was were the Twitter, days. I miss Twitter being so important. I know. Well, see, it's, I guess I'm nostalgic or I still feel like it has an important place, certainly in news and live events. And I still look to it you know, morning and night and during the day. I mean, I'm definitely still on there a lot. Yeah, me too. Are you on Twitter more than on Instagram? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Because you know what? I'm not someone who was ever really comfortable taking pictures of myself. 
And I think that if I had started that a long time ago, like back in the day, then maybe I would feel it would feel more natural. But for me, it's like it feels very obligatory. Yeah. Yeah. So and I don't you know, I'll scroll through. I I know people look at uh, stories more now than feed, but I'm still more of a feed person than a stories person. I like posting stories, but I like looking at feed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Aliza, maybe to get started, can you... Wait, we haven't finished bragging about Aliza. Oh, you want to brag more? <laughs> yes, you guys. Her book, Thanks, Grace. her book has been translated into Spanish, Chinese, and Russian. I just thought that was so interesting. And it is one of my go-to gifts for any graduate, especially anyone who wants to like, leave their mark and get into the fashion industry. Oh, thank you. So that's it. I'm done bragging. I didn't mean to interrupt the bragging. It's okay. It's okay. It's all Wait. good. So, Aliza, can you tell us your career trajectory from college until now? Yes. So, I grew up with a room wallpapered in fashion editorial, Vogue, L, W. Um, this was the 80s. And back then, fashion was not a job that I knew about. Me either. No Same. idea. Same, right? Yeah. So, and even though, yes, you can say, well, magazines had that masthead page where you can see everyone's job title. I mean, we all skipped that. No one ever read that. No one ever knew what those jobs were. And I honestly was like, you know what? I'm good in science. I love beauty. I'm going to combine that and I'm going to be a plastic surgeon. Oh. Oh. Yes. That is ambitious. It was. And I, so I interned for a plastic surgeon for like multiple summers of high school. I think I read this in your book. Yes. Yeah. And I went to college and I majored in neurobiology and physiology and I graduated with a, a degree in neurobiology and physiology. And then my junior year had this epiphany that I, after doing a very intensive internship, I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to work in fashion. And it just all came back to me. And um, so I started when everyone graduated and went abroad after senior year, I was like, I need to buckle down. I need to get fashion experience. So I applied for an internship and I ended up getting one at Harper's Bazaar in accessories. So I worked there for six months full time. And then my first job was at Mary Claire Magazine. And I was the assistant accessories editor. And today you had lunch with your old yes. Team. Today we had our twenty, like a twenty-three year reunion. Oh my god, I love that! All of us together, we went for lunch, and it was just like it was just like it was yesterday. It's crazy. That's it was so cool. really special, really special. So where did you go from Marie Claire? So two years into Marie Claire, I, I had an incredible boss, Yamale, who I saw today, and she just let me take on so much so soon. And I and I and I am someone who. Not to say that like I constantly need to run the show, but a little bit like I take on a lot and I'm all of a sudden I'm like, well, I need more and I need more and I need more. And you know, when you work in a company where there's a hierarchy and there's titles, you can't just do that. So I went in to um, Glenda Bailey at the time, who was the editor in chief to ask for a promotion and she said no. And <laughs> <laughs> just like unequivocally no. And I was like, well, then I... I can't work here anymore in my brain. I didn't say that to her. And I was like, I'm going to interview at other magazines. So I started interviewing at other magazines. And at the time, I don't know if you remember back in the late 90s, if you guys were born then, um, the editors were there, probably each had their roles for like 10 years each. Yeah. So literally, unless someone was getting hit by a car, you were not getting that job. No one was moving up anywhere. There was no movement in magazines. Now it's like 
the exact opposite. Yeah. But back then, you really, there was no place to go. So I was like, you know what? I speak to these PR people all day long. I know who's great at their job. I know who sucks. And I feel like I know PR just because I'm on the other side and I'm who they're pitching. So there was a job that opened up at DKNY and I called my friend Gretchen, who was at Town & Country, and I said, Gretchen, there's this job as the um, assistant accessories PR coordinator at DKNY that I think I would be good for given my background in accessories editorial. But I don't want to apply because then I'll have no leverage. Now, mind you, I'm like 23 years old. So I'm already like... This is very savvy. You are so savvy. I was pretty savvy, you guys. I'm like, I'm not applying. I'm like, they need to want me. I'm like, so you need to drop my name to whomever runs that department and let's see if they call me. So she did that. And then they called me and I acted totally surprised to hear from them. That is amazing. I got the job and I had no experience. But I I pitched it as I have experience based on the fact that my entire career so far, you've wanted me to pay attention to you. Yeah. So I kind of know how to do that. And then I grew up there. 17 years. Wow. Taking on, obviously, you know, started with accessories, took on ready to wear. I was beginning with DKNY, took on Donna Karen, and then grew and grew and grew and grew until I was running the department. And then, you know, ended up um, SVP of Global Communications, taking on social media in 2009, which is really how we met. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like such a cool, inspiring story. Thank it, like, you. You just had like, it shows that you just had like the instinct for PR. I think as a Gemini, I think most Geminis are very, they're known to be communicators. So I think okay. it's pretty much in the astrology of the birth sign. So yeah. we want to talk more about social media. We have questions yes. about it later in the episode. But then what happened after Donna Karen? Where are you now? So Donna Karen, I stayed on, um, I did DQ and PR Girl on top of my day job. So mm-hmm. that was like a side hustle, basically. Until I did it for six years. Yeah. And then in 2015, Leave Your Mark came out. It was published in May. And I kind of started... So did you write that while you were at ZKNY yes. still? Yes. Did you sleep? I wrote that book between 9 and 1 a.m. every night. Oh, and, my God. And guys, she, she's also a mother, so... Well, that's why I did it between 9 and 1. Yeah. Because I knew if I saved it... I, I kept on picturing like me at Starbucks on a Saturday, right? And I kept on picturing my kids hating me because mommy's always writing. Like, I didn't want to hear that. So yeah. I figured if I just made it like it's not a thing, mm-hmm. then they're not going to hate me or the book. And I was probably right about that because they tend to like throw it up in my face all the time if I'm like, you know, you're not home. And then when I'm home, like you're, you don't work. You don't have time for that. I saw that on your story. Mommy, you don't have a job. So why can't you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this child's like, oh my God. Sassy. But you know, I deserve that. I think. Apple doesn't fall far (laughs) from the tree. I think I deserve that. Um, Yeah. So I wrote the book and starts to get really itchy. Yeah. Because remember, when you work for a corporate company, it was owned by LVMH, I had to get permission for everything. I had to get permission to write the book. Then they had to read the manuscript 85 million times. Oh my god. Then gosh. I had to say like, oh, this, you know, this media outlet wants to cover it or this TV show, I'm going to go do this. So it started to be like, you know what? Maybe it's time to like call it a day. Incredible career. So grateful. Love Donna. Love Patty, who was my, my boss and mentor. Still speak to all of them. And then it was like the stars aligned, not in a positive way for the company, but positive way for me because that was May. And then June, Patty stepped down from her role. And then July, Donna stepped down. 
And then I was like, okay, well, this decision has now been made for me because now it's a whole new company. So I basically told the new CEO, because there was a new CEO at the time, listen, I just launched my book. I am happy to stay until the end of the year, but I think we should just transition out because it's time for me to do other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did that. Um, Was on my own for 10 months, consulting, doing book stuff, speaking, et cetera. And then started to get, miss the team element of being part of an organization and fashion. And, you know, you kind of feel those moments when it's like, when it's like fashion week and you're like, oh, right, I have nothing to do. Or it's like award show. It's like, oh, wait, I didn't dress anyone on the carpet. And you start to get like a little bit like, oh, I miss those days. Yeah. So Allison Olivia had actually reached out to me right when my book came out. And I met with the president and they offered me a position in communications and I declined it because I was like, I've just spent 17 years married. I, I need to be single right now. Like I can't go yeah. to another company. But 10, men, 10 months into being single, they contacted me again. They're like, the, you know, we made the role bigger. It's now marketing communications, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? Fun brand, right timing, great. So I went to Allison Olivia um, as EVP Brand Marketing and Communications in November 2016, and I just left in March, so 2.5 years. Yeah. And now I'm back on my own again, and it's, what are we in, June, mm-hmm. and um, it's like the perfect, perfect activity for summer. Yes. It's like I can have it like a four-day weekend, any weekend, anytime I want. You don't have a job, so why can't you do that thing? Right. Yeah. Right. So you're just going to be like mom of the year. I'm really not, though. <laughs> I'm really not. Like someone was like, oh, do you pick up your kids every day from school? I was like, no. What? No. What do you mean? I have, I have meetings. I have I'm networking. I'm podcasting. Like, no, I don't. I mean, yeah. like, you know, my kids are older now. They're not, they don't need that sort of attention anymore. Yeah. Wait, talk to us a little bit about your podcast. So we are so excited for it. Um, can you share more yeah. details? So Grace, you are responsible for my podcast. So Grace and I were um, <laughs> on a panel. I am completely responsible, yes, you guys. she's totally responsible. She's my producer. Um, <laughs> we were on a panel at the Coterie for the Daily a couple months ago. I don't even know. What month was that? I have no idea. We had was, winter coats. It, yeah, winter coats, right. Yeah. And um, I hadn't seen Grace in a long time. And she was like, oh my God, you have to do my podcast. And I was like, of course I'll do your podcast. And then she's like well, why don't you have a podcast? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't I? And then I kind of... She's perfect for podcasting. <laughs> you guys, like, when when she has the, her podcast, you must all go over and listen. Yes, We'll tell you when do. she launches it. Thank you. So I went home that night, and like anything else, like, I'm not a planner. I'm very fly by the seat of my pants. Like, I think I'm the opposite of probably what most people would think. And I'm like, I should do a podcast, Yes, I'm going to do a podcast. Okay, Googling, literally, how to do a podcast. That's what I did that night. And I started (laughs) researching it. And then, yeah, so Leave Your Mark, the podcast, which, of course, is career advice, freshly brewed, because my my book cover is a coffee cup with red lipstick. It will debut in sometime in the next few months, I guess. Still sorting out, you know, production, things like that. But um, fun guests, really accomplished people, and really tactical career advice. I want people to walk away being like, okay, I can go do X, Y, and Z that I just heard. That's so important. So many of these podcasts are so vague. It's like, follow your dreams. and like, <laughs> always be authentic. And it's like, what does that mean? And what about the book? What made you feel 
ready to write the book? What was the impetus behind that? That is not my idea either. I think I'm very not creative. Um, so I, you know, DKMPR Girl became very big. Yeah. And it was anonymous for two years. Um, so from 2009 to 2011, I tweeted anonymously. And it grew to about 380,000 organic. Um, and at the time I came out as the person behind the Twitter handle, it was 2011. This editor called me from Grand Central and she was like, I follow you on Twitter. I read your blog because I was writing long form posts on Tumblr, mm-hmm. which by the way, Tumblr was like, why are you doing that? That we, we are not for oh, that- long form writing. And I was like, Okay, well, that's how I like to use Tumblr. So well, that Tumblr caused a wave at Bobble Bar because then they were like, well, why isn't our blog on Tumblr? And you, the blog needs to be on Tumblr because I was like, we need long-form content. That's not where, where you put that. And they're like, well, DKNY is doing that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, so I, I was <laughs> I really... Tumblr yelled at you. Yeah, Rich it was Tom, a beautiful. He didn't yell at me, but he was like, no, you're, you're going to post pictures. I'm like, no, I'm going to write. And he was like... I, that's just not what what it's for. Um, I was like, like okay, watch cool. me. <laughs> watch me. So, um, so she had said she was following everything, and she was like, I think there's a book in here somewhere. And one of the things that I really did not want to do was write a book that my company would own. Yeah. Because then you start to think like, well, I'm doing this on behalf of a company. So everything, all those followers, all those platforms, that's not mine. That's the company's. Yeah. So I have to figure out a way to like, wrap my head around, well, if I did a book, what would it be about? So the first thing I did was decline. Because I was like, (laughs) thank you so much. I don't have time. I have a full-time job. I have two little kids. And I have no no inspiration. And I have no idea what I would say. And she was super savvy. She was like, did you know that nonfiction, you just have to write a proposal to get a book deal? And I'm like, no, Amanda, I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing. It's still no. And then she would like call me like three weeks later. She's like, hey, how are you doing? Did you change your mind? And I was like, no, still no. And then finally, she's like, just just write a page. Just like stream of consciousness, write a page. And I'm like, you're so pushy. And but then, you know, on like a probably like a rainy Saturday, I was like, oh, let me just let me just think back to like my magazine wallpapered walls and like how I started in the business because it is it it you know it was at a time where it was a magical time in fashion and I worked with incredible people and one of the things that I love most is my walls were wallpapered with fashion editorial that Carlene Surf was the stylist on and my first job at Mary Claire she was the fashion director. That so I went, so cool. I know. So I went from in the eighties worshiping this person to then working for her. So, you know, I am someone, once I start writing, I can, I can go there. And, um, so I sent her two pages or three pages and she sent it back, like corrected with red, red ink. Like I was in grade school mm-hmm. and she was like, can you just like fix this up and like expand here and delete here? And I was like, Oh, I see what you're doing. You're coaching me to create a proposal that you can then submit. And that's how it happened. Oh, my God. I love this story. So it was obviously a huge success from our point of view. Yeah. No, it's, it's been... I'm so grateful to her. It's been... It's in Russian. It like, is in Russian. I mean, I can't <laughs> read it. But yes, it is in Russian. Um, it, you know what? I'm most proud of it because what I really wanted for it was to really help people. Yeah. 
I'm, I've always been a mentor. I've always grown my team. I've always been a great boss, always, because that's what I grew up with. And um, it has really helped people land jobs, negotiate salaries, get inspiration, change careers. And I get emails all the time from people in, in all different countries that are reading it, that people read it over and over again, which is like, I'm really... What a compliment. I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I'm really, I'm gr- so grateful that, you know, all those people made me do it. But um, <laughs> I really am. Okay, we need some of this freshly brewed advice. We, yes. we put the call out to our audience for questions. We got so many amazing questions. Oh, good. Yes. So let's start with some general career advice. It's intern season. Yes. So for people who are kind of interns are just getting into their first careers, what is your best advice for them? So first of all, just because you intern somewhere does not mean that you leave any sort of impression. I have had countless interns that are sitting at desks or in fashion, usually sitting in the fashion closet, and they never ask for work. You can give them a task. They do it. They don't really contribute much personality. There's no bigger picture insight like, okay, here, can you put this, um, can you look up influencers who, you know, post about tea? It's like, okay, well, how about you ask like, oh, so are we doing an event? Like, what's the bigger picture around? Like, why, why am I asking you to do that? So I think having the wherewithal to really want to understand the business Mm -hmm. and not just do the task. Like, why are you doing that task? Why are you putting that list together? Why are you flipping through a magazine? Why are you refreshing Refinery29 800 times to see when a credit pops up Mm -hmm. um, of coverage? So to really be immersed in the team and to contribute and to also ask for feedback because a lot of times, you know, the people who oversee interns are pretty junior themselves and they're really these are the first people they're managing and they may not know how to give direction that well and they also may not be comfortable giving feedback so I do think as an intern it's great if you can be like so I've been here three weeks now and I'm just wondering is there anything I can do better is there anything that you think I should change anything that you think I'm doing well and, and really have that dialogue. So it's not just this like, okay, here's the team. And then way across the room are those interns. And we speak to them like every once in a while. Because then at the end, they ask you for a reference. And you're like, I don't even know your name. Like, I don't even know what you did. That is so true. We had this, I had that happen at Bolivar. And like, this girl emailed me. She's like, I was an intern. I was like, <laughs> you were? You were? Like, cool. Like, I don't remember you. Because she wasn't on the social team. So I didn't know who she was. Yeah. And I felt bad. But yeah, that's, I think that's great advice. I do too. I think that, I think asking for feedback is something that is so hard, but the sooner you can get yourself to do it, the, the more benefit you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other side of it, and this is going to sound more, um, maybe more obnoxious, but you can't also like become best friends with your bosses at that level. Yeah. Like there needs to be, you're not a peer. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a hierarchy there. You are an intern. Hopefully you're being paid or at least getting school credit, but you are not, I say this in the book, it's like, you're not in the club until someone tells you you're in the club. So there has to be this level of professionalism and respect 
that these people are are working here. They're more senior. They have jobs. They get a paycheck. And you are very lucky to be a part of that, to absorb everything that they're they're doing and learn from them. But you can't, I, I find it very annoying when people, when interns come in and they are, they automatically think like they're your peer and they're going to go sit down in your office and chit chat. It's like, no, no, no. Like there needs to be, that's the old school part of me where I'm like, there needs to be some level of working your way up mm-hmm. to achieve that. Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying years and years and years, but like, let's give it, let's give it a few months. Yeah. Sure. Wait, this question, the next question kind of is similar to that. It's something I struggled with when I had a more, um, like an office job. What is your advice for maintaining kind of the line between friend and boss? Because, you know, I know that I was very good friends with the people I managed at Bolivar. And I don't know, it was a startup. So I think you can get away with a lot more in a startup kind of environment. But what's your best advice for kind of um, maintaining that line while also being, you know, friendly and, you know, having a great relationship with the people you manage. I have always been extremely close with everyone who has worked for me. And I've actually, um, I would say, positioned myself to make people feel that I'm very much part of the team and in the trenches with them because I'm not someone who likes to feel... You know, I don't want to be in an office by myself. I don't want to be in this like ivory tower, like pointing at people, directing things. I want to be collaborative and I want to be part of the team because I feel that, especially in fashion, the work is so intense and it's never ending. So you have to feel really passionate about it to be able to work those kind of hours on the weekends sometimes, at night, and and sort of give a lot more of yourself than some some other industries where it's more like you work from nine to six and you go home and you don't have to check your email anymore. Like that's not our job. Our job is 24-7. So I believe that you always have to know your place in the sense that you, that is your boss. And at the end of the day, your job is to make your boss shine. Mm-hmm. So you're working for that person, but I think you can totally be good friends with them. I mean, I I mean, I still speak to like everyone that's ever worked for me, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great advice. Here's an interesting question that we got. Somebody wanted to know how do you deal with tougher personalities, and specifically, they said <clears throat> the sort of women that don't hold up other women. Oh, there's so many of them. I know. Sad, so sad. So sad. So I've had um, a couple of very challenging instances in my career. Well, first of all, I would say two words that are very, very important, which are paper and trail. (laughs) 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 So I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, same. I was like, is it going to be like a juicy insult? No, I thought it might be fuck you. Paper (laughs) trail. So, um, I thought it was going to be mean bitch. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint ladies, but I think, I think that when you, you know, there's something intuitive where you can all of a sudden be like, Oh, Oh, she's that type. Right. Mm -hmm. So one, you don't put trust in those people, you know, don't try to ingratiate yourself by like sharing information. Sometimes when we want people to like us, we're like, we tell them things, we make them feel like they're part of, like we have information. So we're useful to them. Don't do that. Um, because you, you, you're, because they're going to use it against you ultimately. So I'm a big paper trail person. And when I know that someone is a snake, I make sure that there's literally not one in-person conversation. Everything business wise is in writing. 
because I want to make sure that like my behavior is documented, what I'm asking for is documented, what I've been asked for is documented, and there's no questioning. And I've had to, in the past, print, oh, I don't know, like 500 emails from someone and bring them to HR and be like, here, here is my, and like keep track. Like someone called me the other day and they were having a lot of trouble with um, an employee and I was like, write it down, keep dates, detail it. And if you, if you pull enough information together and you go to HR, you go to your boss and you show like, listen, this is what's been happening. And you have like basically the Mueller report. (laughs) I mean, people are going to believe you. Yeah. So I think that's one. Two is I always think you never know what someone's going through and you never know, like someone could have something personally that's happening. Maybe someone broke up with someone, maybe someone's sick, maybe whatever. There can be a lot of things in someone's life. Maybe they're stressed about money. You have no idea. So I I would always start with benefit of the doubt. And I would always ask the person for coffee one-on-one out of the office and just be like, listen, like I'm, I'm feeling like there's some tension or maybe it's me that I'm just feeling this, but like, I just want to make sure like I value working with you. And like, I would really love to work on our relationship because we spend so much time in the office and there's no reason why, you know, we can't have a good one. So that, that would be my approach. And then if that doesn't work, you just take them, to the, you take them to the cleaners. Like you literally just wring them out to dry. That's it. I think that is some of the best career advice we've had on this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Frankly, guys. it's some of the most honest advice where sometimes I feel like people don't want to be perceived as tough or a bitch or, or whatever you want to call it. And so people shy away from saying that as advice. But like, I think that that's very, it's very good, good tactical advice, advice you. of like well, what I you mean, should this do. Is, this is the real world. And honestly, like I pride myself on being a nice person. I pride myself on being collaborative. I... I really try, you know, not to be someone who only thinks my opinions are the right ones or my ideas are the right ones. But at the end of the day, I think it's very important to never be scared of confrontation. And I am not scared of confrontation. And if someone crosses me, it's going to be it's going to be a thing because I'm not just going to sit back and be like, "Oh yeah, okay, that's fine. She just ruined my entire presentation or whatever it is." Like, no, it's going to be and it's not always women, by the way. There's plenty sure. of men you have to have your own respect for what you do. And I think that um, not be afraid to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked the next question because it's very personal for this person. Um, and they seem like a little a little bit desperate, but I've been in this, in this situation. She wrote, mm-hmm. what is your advice for someone who's drowning in deadlines but desperately wants to prove that they are ready for a promotion? So actually someone DM me yesterday and asked me very specifically about how I handle my own time management. And I will say this, first of all, I literally write every single thing that I have to do on my calendar. I mean, I don't write because I don't have a paper or pen ever. I put it in my phone. Oh, me too. Like there's no paper, but we're the same way. We we're like, all we do is like add things to each other's calendars all day long. You want to have fun, scheduled fun. It's going in the calendar. Yeah. We literally have scheduled fun. We need to make a doctor's appointment that is happening from 1205 to 1210. Like Mm -hmm. every single thing, because that's my to-do list. And so I think when you schedule time to do everything, there is this sense of peace where you know like, okay, I know what I know what I have to get in touch tomorrow. You leave a little buffer here and there and you leave some free space, but that's that's number one. I think two is 
you know, I think for people who work in an office versus working from home, you know, when you work from home, you're way more productive and you're way more productive because you're not chit chatting. You're not like, you know, going out for a coffee in the morning and then going out coffee in the afternoon and then going for like an hour lunch and then coming back and then stopping by someone's desk to see like the new lipstick they bought, like all that stuff takes up so much time. So I think clearing out all the miscellaneous crap and just focusing on the work. And that also can mean taking a break from email. Like if you're working on something and you're simultaneously checking email, it's like you can't, you can't do both things. Like you're, you're, you're going to spread yourself really thin. So sometimes when I'm really focused on, let's say if I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation or a budget, God forbid, um, I will just close email totally, turn off my phone and just completely dedicate myself to that task. And you will find that you have, you get a lot more done faster. I think the other thing for anyone to do is, you know, I, I have worked for people where they're brilliantly creative and with that comes a new idea every five minutes. And it's like you wake up in the morning and there's 50 emails of 50 totally amazing separate ideas. And you're like, okay, like we have a team of two and there's only so many hours of the day. And by the way, we only have so much money to pull these things off. So asking your boss to prioritize you, like I love that idea. This project sounds so exciting. I'm actually working on X, Y, and Z projects right now. Do you want me to stop working on that and focus on this? Or should I finish those and then I'll let you know when I can get to this? So you sort of position it like, I am so happy to do this, but like, what do you want me to work on first? I think that last piece is so important because I have worked most of my career in startups. And in some way, you are almost set up to fail because there are so many great (laughs) ideas and there is no possible way without being superhuman to do everything that needs to be done. Like there's just not, it's a prioritization game. Yes. And if this person is drowning, you know, going to your boss and being like, help me in a, not in a way that makes you seem incompetent, but to be excited about the work, but to prioritize and and recognize that not everything can be done and get your boss to admit to throw some of these things out or put them on the back burner or assign them to somebody else, I think is such a smart, like a sneaky, smart move. It's like reverse psychology a little bit. Totally. Because you're like, you told me to focus here. So I'm going to prioritize my time and do this instead of being like, I'm going to do everything. It's impossible to do everything. Even if I cut out my coffee breaks, and this yeah. way also you're you're really avoiding, you're hedging your bets because you're avoiding getting in trouble for not doing something. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. The other thing for promotion is I think having a list of like, uh, who this woman who's a career coach, I think she calls it like your brag bag or something. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's so hard sometimes even as a boss to remember what happened more than two months ago. So to have documented everything that you have done, and especially if it ladders back to what you've been told at a previous review that you need to do in order to get promoted. Like I appreciate that as a boss. Like I'm not affronted by somebody coming to me and being like, here are all of the things that I've done. And then, you know, sometimes it, it opens a conversation where you're perceiving something totally differently than they are. So you can have that conversation. Oh, I'll take it one step farther. I actually, and if Patty, when Patty listens to this, she is my, she's my mentor. I had a goal folder. So what I would do is like, let's just example, like I negotiated whatever celebrity to wear something on the red carpet 
for free, no payment, X, Y, and Z, big moment. I would literally just copy and paste that and stick it in the goal folder. So like big milestone moments, like, oh my God, I just secured the cover of Vogue goal folder. So at the end of the year, when you're going to like write your own accomplishments mm-hmm. for your review, you I would have never remembered any of those moments, totally. but they were all yeah. already written because I had, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in doing it as you go. Mm-hmm. That's so smart. That is smart. I want to. I work for myself now, but I want a goal folder just to look back on in bad days yeah. and be like, no, it's going good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You should do it. Yeah. yeah. I have one for all my like long-term partnerships, like my Sephora thing. Anytime I get like a really awesome reader comment or someone tells me they bought like 10 bottles yes, of something, you, you I save click. it and I send it to the brand. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually it should also go into some sort of deck, like yeah. brand deck for you. Yeah. I should have that. Yes. Yeah. Better media kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need one for the podcast too. Yeah. What about career changes? We get asked about this all the time and yeah. I'm super curious about your take about, I, this made us laugh a lot. They wrote, how to change career paths when you're no longer a young professional in quotations. I actually wrote an article on this for Forbes um, and I interviewed, I don't know, maybe five or six women who had made drastic career changes and one of the sort of overarching uh, commonalities... I think I read this. I'm like your f- number one fan <laughs> You're over so here. You're so cute, Grace. Um, one of the overarching commonalities across all the women who were in totally different industries was um, how they leveraged their network to do that. So first and foremost, to educate themselves on, okay, I want to... I'm really interested in this. I don't know how to tackle this. I don't know much about it. I don't even know necessarily what it entails to really start leveraging your network to introduce you to people who have done it Mm -hmm. and then figure out, like I, I always think like the lowest common denominator. It's like how, what are the skills that you currently have from whatever role you were in that directly transfer and how can you spin it so that it looks like, Hey, I actually have done this in my previous job. Although the scope was different. So similar to what I did when I was leaving editorial to go into PR, it's like I spun it like I already know PR because I did editorial. So, you know, that's one way. The other way is that I think um, there's so many opportunities now for education online. And I think a lot, a lot more people more and more are really, really, taking it upon themselves to learn so they can add to their resume that they have a degree in X, Y, and Z, or they took a specialized class. And those things, I think, help a lot, especially if you're in a digital industry where it's changing every five seconds. And if you're not like reading 500 publications a day, you're actually behind. Mm -hmm. So I think think that's really important. But at the end of the day, people want to work with people they like. So the better you are to your network... And the more gracious you are uh, in helping other people, the more they will do that in return. And then really it's your network that's going to get you your next gig. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to talk more about networking. But okay. first, we are going to take a quick break for a sponsor. And we'll be right- Today's sponsor is Lola. And we're pretty biased. I used to be their head of marketing. But I think every woman should be using Lola's feminine care products. So if you don't know, Lola makes tampons, pads, and liners made with 100% organic cotton. 
If you haven't heard us talk about Lola before, I don't know, you must be really new here, but um, you might be wondering why that's a big deal. So it's crazy because the FDA does not require tampon brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients. So obviously most of them don't. We obviously care so much about the ingredients in our food, our face cream, pretty much anything. So why wouldn't we have the same standards when it comes to our feminine care products? I mean, those go inside your body. I know. It's a pretty big deal. The average woman will use 10,000 tampons in her lifetime. I'm like picturing what that would look like as a pile, and that's terrifying. And it's... Oh, I know. Becca. I know. And it's really about the cumulative exposure to ingredients. It's not like a one-off thing that you use once. So Lola tampons are made without any fragrance, synthetic fibers, or dyes. So Lola products come in a customizable subscription. You get to choose what you want in your box, how frequently you want it to come, and it just shows up at your door. So there's no forgetting and like running to the drugstore, which is like the story of my life, especially when I travel. Um, And you can change, skip, or cancel at any time. Also, I don't know if people know this, but I am very proud of this. Uh, Lola also donates products to homeless shelters across the U.S., So uh, to date, they've donated over 2 million products, and I love knowing that my purchase contributes contributes to that. I love that. I think it's so important, and it's a product that's really overlooked. Everyone gives, you know, clothing and beauty products, but people forget about that. Totally. So we have an offer for you for 40% off. It's 40% off all subscriptions. Just visit mylola.com and enter code BOP at checkout. So that's mylola.com, enter code BOP at checkout. And we're back. So we're going to talk about PR and social media next. Mm-hmm. And I love all of these questions that we got. Um, this one I think is very similar to the last question, and like your answer at least will be. But they asked, what is your advice for someone who's not yet working in the industry but wants to build a relevant network online? I mean, I... The amount of people I have met through social media, especially Twitter back in mm-hmm. the day, is staggering. I mean, I've hired interns from Twitter. I have I hired my first assistant. Well, she wasn't my first assistant, but I hired Jenna, who I met on Twitter, who was living in Austin, Texas, selling artificial turf to be my assistant at DKNY because I met her on Twitter and I thought she was great at social. I love this story because before she was your assistant, I was already following her because she was so great at social. Yeah. like, And I didn't realize she was just some random girl in Texas selling artificial turf. I figured she lived in New York and was working in social media. Yeah, and she had a blog. Mm -hmm. Remember Peace, Love, and Sarcasm where she did red carpet reviews. And she was hilarious and snarky and um i assumed the same thing and then when she told me she was selling artificial turf i was like wait like fake grass so wait what are your turn-ons and turn-offs on somebody networking with you on social media because i imagine you have a big following you have an incredible career people are coming to you wanting something like what are the things that you look at and you're like great i want to talk to this person i want to hire this person versus what are the things where you're like get out of here so I might be unique in that I my entire social strategy since day one has always been engagement, engagement, engagement. That was my metric. That was my KPI that I always cared about. So I will speak to anyone. Anyone okay. who speaks to me, I will speak to. Anyone who asks me a question, I will answer. If someone asks me a question through my website, I will answer. When people... I have in my DM right now people who are trying to break into fashion, I will give them 
tons of different reading materials, tons of different sites, tons of different things that I've even written on Forbes for how to do that. I think at the end of the day, you have to be in a position to network. Meaning the first thing I told Jenna was you have to move to New York. Like you're in Austin, Texas. Like you have to be here and you have to be meeting people and going, you know, maybe you go to a different conference or you go to a networking event. There's so many things. There's so many activities that you can do to meet people. And really it's, Yes, of course you can apply for a job, but again, the only way you're going to break into an industry like fashion is if you know someone. Yeah. And that is that is through your network. Mm-hmm. So networking to me is a full-time job. And it's got to be everyone's full-time job. And by the way, I'm married to someone who is the opposite of that. He would rather never go out with anyone ever again. That's me. Okay. I mean, but I, I, I network because I have to. But that's what's so genius about social. You can yeah, network from you your can couch. from your couch. Wait, I have a question. This is not on the outline, but it's what I was venting to Becca about a couple of weeks ago. Um, how do you manage when everyone just wants a piece of your time? Because that's what I really struggle with. I can be behind my computer and on email late at night drinking wine at home, and I will send long emails to my readers or to brands or whomever. But lately I've just had, I felt like my calendar is like under siege. Yes, and your calendar is under siege. So, I mean, I literally wrote Leave Your Mark because I was like, it's my way of grabbing coffee with every single person who asks. So the first thing I do when someone so I should asks write a book. me for coffee or to pick my brain, which by the way, no one, think about that. Picking someone's brain, it's disgusting. It's my least. Don't, it's, you, no one would yeah, want their brain picked. It's also so vague. Yeah. Actually, I think it's really specific. I picture someone with like a toothpick like or a tweezer. A just like oh no, the it. visual is very specific, yes. but the, what they're asking for is very vague. It's like, what do you want? Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't want to have a coffee. Do you just have a question that I can answer over email? Like, yeah. I don't want to spend an hour, unfortunately, yes. with the number of people who maybe want to pick my brain or whatever synonym. So my rule is that if the introduction comes from a very close personal friend of mine, either family friend, business friend, whatever, I will take that meeting, 30-minute mm-hmm. meeting. They have to come to me wherever I am. I just spoke recently at a, at a conference and you know, when people line up after and everyone's so lovely and gracious and of course everyone emails you the next day and everyone wants to meet for coffee. Um, can you imagine we would all be like, we would, we would die really from caffeine poisoning. I mean, it was insane. So what I started to do, even for really lovely people that I thought were great when I met them is I say, listen, I, unfortunately I don't have time to meet. I'm happy to set up a five minute call to understand what you're looking for and what your questions are. And I will, I will make those calls and yes, they can add up and take time. But I think that, um, that's part of giving back. I love that you give them five minutes. Yes. Yes. Well, how I do that is I just, I send a calendar notice and it's literally five minutes on the calendar. But that also forces somebody to use the time well. Yeah. And to, to not ask stupid questions. Yeah. And also, by the way, do your research. Don't ask questions that you can Google mm-hmm. the answers to. Yeah. So much, especially like you've done so many interviews all over the yeah, place. It's like, you yeah. know. Yeah. I was writing our outline and I was like, oh, I can look, Google this. <laughs> but like some of them I it's just more interesting to talk hearing about. from you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think this one's really interesting. What are your best DIY PR methods for a startup entrepreneur who maybe doesn't have the budget to hire somebody? 
So first of all, buy the publications, buy the newspapers, go to the websites, look at who's writing the articles. Don't pitch people. If someone is writing about food, don't pitch them fashion. I'm laughing at that last comment because I get pitched like motherhood things all day long for my blog. I'm like, have you been to my blog? See, this is the thing. A big part of it, yeah. And you know what? It doesn't take that long to research, right? It's like, look, you can click on the person's name and then you can see all the other articles they wrote. They make it so simple for you. So make a list of who those people are, what they've covered, and then... Get their emails, super easy to do. Either you can contact them um, via, you can look at, you know, LinkedIn and see if there's a way to connect with them on there or contact them via social saying, I would love to get in touch with you. What are, you know, what's the best email? Maybe they'll reply, maybe they won't. You have to try. Um, and then I think just be really smart about where you, like, what do you read? Like, where would you want to see that coverage? Like, it's not about, quantity necessarily. Sometimes you can have a quality piece in one or two in one or two publications that really make an impact. Um, but but more important than PR, I think now honestly is influencer um, and having you know volume in people posting about your brand and being real fans of the brand. So I think and, and being on podcasts too, I think it's it's like a 360 PR strategy where it used to just be like, oh, you want to be in a magazine? It's like that's the least of it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's magazines and there's websites and podcasts and blogs and. Instagram and here's a fun trick though that I think is is great and I hope there's not too many publicists on this podcast right now because you let's say you work for an eyewear brand and you know cosmopolitan.com just does like the 10 best sunglasses for summer you can very quickly just pitch that person and, and be, especially if you have like a great product and be like, I just saw your amazing post, 10 blast sunglasses. Like, I know you don't know me, but like, here's our new collection. Like any chance it could be the 11 best sunglasses for summer because it's so easy for them to change it. And that's literally what publicists do all day long now is like refresh, 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 and try to change those. <laughs> Grace is literally <laughs> writing a note right now. Yeah, because there's all these lists of like the 10 best podcasts. And like, well, can there be 11 yeah. best podcasts? Yeah. And actually, it's really funny. So Book Authority, which is this organization that ranks books, they ranked, um, I'm proud to say, they ranked Leave Your Mark as number five. That's amazing. In the top 37 best career development books of all time. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. That's amazing. I'm so excited. And then like a couple of hours later, I refreshed the page and all of a sudden it was the best 38 career development books of all time. And I was like, "Ah, pure trick. Oh my God. I love that. I was like, who went in there for the kill? That's genius. We're going to be doing some DIY PR this week, Becca. Yeah. Get ready. Sorry, editors. (laughs) Sorry, editors. Hopefully they're not listening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wait, so this is an interesting question. This person wrote, what are the biggest changes that you've seen in the PR industry over the last 10 years, and where do you see it going? Wow. I mean, I feel like it's polar opposite. So 10 years ago, that's literally when I launched Decoy PR Girl, 2009. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's a decade. On Tumblr. On Twitter. On Twitter, then Tumblr. And Tumblr wasn't out in 2009. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Neither yeah. was Instagram. Yeah. I, well, I knew that. 
I knew um, Tumblr was way before Instagram. So I don't know if you remember, um, Brian Boy was the first press article. He had sat front row at a D&G show. That was like the first sort of press article about influencers being in the front row, which was a big brouhaha because editors sit in the front row. And it was certainly very shocking. People it, were upset. People were upset. However, I wasn't upset. And I was the person doing the seating charts for DKNY. And why I wasn't upset, I was never going to put them in the front row because in my mind, they didn't have a relationship with my brand yet. However, I was very welcoming to the idea that there's this new crop of people who have a point of view, who have their own style, and who have people who actually care about that. And then there was this whole other group of people who were like, no way in hell are these bloggers coming to our show or getting to our press previews or whatever. And I, and I, I very much knew that like, it's like putting the genie back in the bottle. It's like once that happens, once one brand does it, it is not going away. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. better to embrace it and, you know, start relationships with people than not. And, um, so I was very much like, okay, we've, we have to start adding influencer. They weren't called influencers back then. They were called yeah, bloggers, bloggers, right? I still yeah. call myself a blogger. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have a blog. Yeah. yeah so you can yeah. do that. Um, so I started adding them to the show list, you know, and, and, and started to sort of build relationships. Um, but back then magazines were still king and editors of magazines were still king. And a lot of them, especially when DK and PR go out really big, People would be like, oh, Twitter, I, I don't know how you do that. Like, what, like why are you spending, you're spending so much time doing that? Like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's a great way to network. It's a great way to engage with the consumer. I'm doing it, obviously, as part of my job. Um, but a lot of people couldn't be bothered. And then slowly but surely, like a year or two later, people would call me and say, oh, Lisa, like... I need to build my online presence. Like I, I, my social numbers are so low, like, and celebrities too. Right. So everyone started to realize that this was a thing that they needed to be a part of. And then sort of everything shifted and it became totally digital focused and totally digitally focused and budgets started shifting from print over to digital. And then finally, editors started realizing like, okay, you know what? I better have a good social profile too for me to be relevant even to my employers. Yeah. So now we're at a place where, you know, back then PR, I think, was a bigger business driver than it is now. I don't think PR, yes, you can say that if you get an amazing, you know, feature in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, um, that's going to drive your business. But Honestly, I think it's more of um, the culmination of a lot of things hitting at the same time versus one thing. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that one thing mattered. Like I, I was featured in the New York Times when I came out as Decoy PR Girl, and I was like, "Oh my god, I my per, my social footprint is going to explode now." I think I got like ten followers no. that day. It was oh like not a thing. It was not a thing. And then even when my book came out, there were certain celebrities who I'm very grateful to who posted that, you know, it's now available for pre-order. I sold like 30 copies maybe. And then, you know, Brian Boy tweeted it and I sold like 150. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, and that's not a, that was not a, he was not a household name 
in the world, yes, in fashion, but you sure, know, sure. so I think, you know, the levers have, you know, you have to pull a lot of different levers now. And, um, when we say people have to see it, is it seven times before they want to make a purchase? I heard 17. Oh, I heard, I think I heard seven or eight on an, maybe seven for a per- I think, se- well, it used to be three. Right, okay. it used to be three three different touch points. Now it's a lot more, whatever the number is, because there's so much noise, so much noise. So where do you see PR going? I mean, I'm sad to say this, but I I just don't think I think it's important, but I think it's just it's losing importance. Mm-hmm. And I say that with total respect to the industry because I love PR and I love what I've done um, in my career with communications, but. You can't just rely on it anymore. And I don't know. I think PR, I think what PR agencies are doing now is they're doing a lot more in influencer and they're mm-hmm. and they're really doing all that seeding and negotiating those deals. And I think they're they're providing value by adding that service versus just being like, oh, we're gonna get placements for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we were saying earlier the smart ones are getting their the founders on podcasts and doing things like that. Podcasts are so important. Thank you. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about looking back on your career. And one thing somebody asked was, what about the word success? And what did that mean to you at the beginning of your career? Where did you think you would be? I don't think I've ever thought about success. And I don't think I still do, to be honest. I, I, I'm not a planner. Like, I'm not. Like, I went, I, I, you know, I was supposed to be a plastic surgeon. I pivoted and, you know, five, I, that was probably a five-minute decision. I was probably like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not going to do it. So I'm very, very hasty in that mm-hmm. sense. And I am very much in the present. So I'm always trying to nail the goal that's right in front of me. I'm not really looking a year down the road, two years down the road. So I'm not looking for, you know, full-blown success as much as I'm looking for success in the achievement of the one thing that's right in front of me. Um, and and that's how I've always kind of navigated my entire life because it's easier to tackle things in like small digestible bites than it is to have this very daunting feeling of like, oh my God, in five years, like what's my five-year plan? Like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. And so I... I, and the other thing that I think is sort of interesting about my, my mentality is in PR, you grow up, or at least I was taught by Patty, you're only as good as your last credit. So how you can think of that is I would dress someone for the Golden Globes on a Sunday night, and I would feel like I am a rock star. Mm-hmm. I have just made millions upon millions of impressions of uh, press for my company. Amazing go to work the next morning, which is always a Monday. I feel amazing. By Tuesday, it's like it never happened. So it's like, what's your next trick? Mm-hmm. So I'm always, I'm always thinking about, like I, and this is maybe not a positive thing about me, I don't relish in feeling accomplished for more than 24 hours. It goes away that quickly. Wow. Yes. So I am not someone who sits around thinking like, I'm so amazing. It's like, maybe I'm amazing for like one hour. And then I'm like, all right, now what? Now what am I doing with myself? So if not success, what has driven your career changes and kind of how you've built your career and decided what to do next? Because I never feel like I'm done with anything. Yeah. Like I, I never feel satisfied with the end result. So I always feel like I have to do something else. Yeah. Um. 
so that's constantly challenging myself. Like I left my role at Ellison Olivia because I felt like I was coasting and like I wasn't learning anymore. So that's not comfortable for me. Yeah. Like I want to always feel like I'm progressing and doing cool new things. Um, and you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's important to constantly push yourself. And I, I, this is my favorite quote. I don't, I, I mean, I said it, I don't, know if I got it from someone else or whatever, but it's, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. So I, I feel, I embrace change and I love it and I, I get very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Frankly, that's probably better for the onus to be internal and yeah. like satisfying yourself and your curiosity than external and defining it by success. That's probably a lot better for your mental health. Than all. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think like even back in the day with DKMPR Girl, like I never followed other brands. I never wanted to see what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have total blinders on because I didn't want to compare myself. I didn't want to say like, oh, wait, they have 20,000 more followers or, oh, they did that great video. Like, I didn't want to see it yeah. because I didn't, I don't, I don't like to compare myself. And I, honestly, that I got from my mother. She always said, never compare yourself to anybody else. Just compare yourself to yourself. That's so good advice. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. Is there any advice, not from your mother, that you got early in your career that you've really carried with you? Hmm. So much advice. I mean, God, let me think of a good one. Not from my mother. I mean, I guess it could be from your mother, but you already said that one. Well, I have... Well, this is from my grandmother, actually. Sure. Um, and I think this is a good one. She always said, um, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. So surrounding yourself with really good people. Mm-hmm really smart people, people who inspire you, people who you can learn from. Um, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but if you surround yourself with really smart people, you become that. So that was always something that I thought about. And um, I would say I have more, it's less piece of advice and more watching people. So mm-hmm. Patty Cohen, who was my mentor um, at Donna Karen, is probably the most gracious leader I've ever encountered in my life. She literally has made every single person who's ever worked for her, Donna Karen, just grow beyond their wildest dreams. And nothing I've done would be possible without her support. So that ability to be gracious and be happy for other people's success and not feel like because someone else is shining, it's dimming your own light. I think that that is, that's such a luxury to be around that. So that's something that I've always valued and, and, and sort of carried forward. Yeah. I think that's great advice. So we're going to take another quick break for a sponsor. We have a few more questions for you to wrap up. So here's an exciting development for us. We have a candy sponsor. You guys, this is amazing. We love candy. I know. This one's an exciting one for us, and it's all happening. We've been hoping for this for a long time. So Daryl Lee is a 90-plus-year-old company based out of Australia, and they just released their new Real Twists this spring. And I can vouch firsthand that they are delicious. They might be too yummy because I have eaten half a bag in the past 24 hours. Um, I've eaten a whole bag in the past 48 hours, so I'm glad we're at the same pace. Yeah. So we love that this brand is committed to using quality ingredients, similar to some of our other sponsors. So they have a really simple ingredient list without any of the bad stuff. They're naturally flavored. They're GMO-free. They're created without any artificial colors, dyes, or preservatives. So 
I'm a pretty big Twizzlers fan, but you know how they kind of taste like waxy and chemically? Yeah. So their strawberry real twists, I like them even more than that. Their flavor tastes like real strawberries, and I just feel better having candy if I know that it's not filled with chemicals and that there's no GMOs or artificial stuff. So I really like to take them to the park and read. Um, Or if I'm going to a movie, they're a good sneak-in snack. I'm definitely the person that brings my own snacks. I bring uh, real twists and seltzer. Same. So good. I mean, movie snacks are so expensive, and I'd rather have something that's naturally flavored versus like twizzlers um so you can get them at the daryl lee amazon store so that's amazon.com slash daryl lee um lee is actually spelled like leah so it's d-a-r-r-e-l-l-l-e-a or you can go to their website which is daryl lee.com to find a retailer near you and if you love the brand and want to stay on top of their latest offers and events you can subscribe to their email list on their website at www.darrellee.com. And again, that's D-A-R-R-E-L-L-L-E-A. So, also exciting. We said at the top of the episode, but they are giving away 15 swag boxes to Bad on Paper Facebook group members. So, to enter to win, go to the Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper Podcast on Facebook for more information. We'll be posting more there today. And you, too, can become addicted to this wonderful new snack. You're going to love them. They're so tasty. So we're just going to do a few questions to wind down. Um, You've been married for 19 years. I know because I Googled it. Um, Do you have any tips for maintaining a strong relationship while also having a kick-ass career? First of all, I love that that's on the internet. I did not know that. It's Um, on your website. That I've been married 19 years? Yeah, you have it somewhere on there. That's so funny. Maybe it was a tweet. Maybe it was a tweet. I believe you, Grace. Or maybe it was on your Instagram. I don't know. I yeah, think it was somewhere, your website somewhere and your online, Instagram. Somewhere I was doing online. some stalking last night yeah. writing this. So um, I think that, so first of all, I met my husband on a blind date when we were 22. Oh my gosh. Yes. And um, we are the same age and we both grew up together in the sense of our careers. So when we met, I was working at Mary Claire making $23,000 a year. And he was um, an accountant making probably $40,000 a year. So we have always been at like very similar stages of our careers. Like when I would change jobs, he would change jobs. Or when he changed jobs, I would change jobs. When he got promoted, I would get promoted. Coincidentally, because we were always just very in sync with our timing. Um, We are, he's a Leo, I'm a Gemini. And um, we, we have very similar... Uh, personal like similar similar personalities and energy levels. So, I would say we could both go to go to an event, and we would probably not see each other till the end of the night, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though he probably would rather stay home and kicks and screams if he has to go, but then he can hold his own. Yeah. Um, I think just being good partners and um, friends and respectful each other and knowing that, you know, we're our family unit. We have two children. Uh, my son is 14. My daughter is 11. And um, we prioritize ourselves, like our family unit over, like everyone else is just background noise. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important because a lot of times people can have really 
intense families or intense friends. And it's like, you kind of have to just push everyone to the side and realize, okay, like the four of us are like the nucleus, like the core unit. And that is, that is what we have to focus on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll be 20 years, December 23rd. I need to think of a really good present for myself. What are you going to do to celebrate? I know I need something big. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're sort of, you know, we're just, we're just, we're great friends. We're great friends. And, um, no, I'm really lucky to have him. He's a great husband, great father, great partner, great son-in-law. Super helpful. Aww. So we got a few fashion questions for you. So mm-hmm. these are a few um, quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wear flats? What are you wearing right now? Nope. I embarrassed myself because I was like, oh, are your wedges Saludos? And she's like, no, they're Chloe. <laughs> and then she's like, what's Saludos? I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> I still don't know. Um, like they copied yours. <laughs> um, I only started wearing flats when I was freelance. Interesting. So yes, because with freelance means you have no expense account, means you're taking public transportation. Yes. That was new for me. <laughs> um, so, so to get around the city all day long, I was like, oh my God. So actually it's funny. Um, I'm sure you know, Elizabeth Holmes. Mm-hmm. So we, she did a story. I don't remember if it was the wall street journal or somewhere. Maybe it was for thrive. Um, we've had, we both have this thing with kitten heels and she did a whole story in kitten heels. And I was like, I'm really embarrassed to say that I actually purchased kitten heels when I was freelance because I was like, I thought it was the lesser evil of like the commuter flat, but not as bad as a heel. So I bought these kitten heels and I hate kitten heels. Me too. Like to me, kitten heels, you know, when Carl Agarfield says like, if you're wearing sweatpants, you've given up on life. Yeah. That's how I feel about kitten heels. Yeah. But they're coming back now and I hate it. They make your foot look 85 times longer than it is. Oh my God. So long, especially if they're pointy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, so I wear flats. If I know that I am going to be like really traipsing around the city, I don't know what I would do if I saw you in flats. I, I wouldn't recognize you. People say that. Uh, that and jeans. That's yeah. also not a thing I do. Um, it's not something I choose to do. I'm much happier in heels. And honestly, my feet are happier in heels too. Flats sometimes hurt me because yeah. they're too flat. Yeah. Um, listen, I got dressed for exams in college. Like, this is who you are. You're this is who I am. I, I like to get dressed up. I think it's really important to dress for success, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I, even if you're doing a phone interview, you should dress up and put on shoes because it changes your entire mentality. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm a hardcore fashion person, to say the least. Wait, though. Fashion person wearing your Gucci headband my fake Gucci yes. headband. So she had mm. on this adorable red and green striped headband on your Instagram one day. And I was like, oh my God, Elise is so cute in her Gucci headband. <laughs> and then I think that maybe it was in the caption or on yes. your story. You're like, yeah, these are $8. I was, and you're like, I put, did you put them in an Amazon shop? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Yes, they come. Elisa is wearing. Yeah, it was like a pack of three for $8. Yes. I haven't ordered them yet, but they're in my cart. Yes, black, navy, and pink. Ooh. Um, so I am, I think when you have a, like an eye for fashion, you are label agnostic. Like I don't care about brand. I don't care about price. Like if I can find something in Dwayne Reed that's chic, 
I will wear it. So nothing makes me happier than find. I all I did was put into the search knotted headband, and those popped up on my Amazon. And I was like, oh my god, these are amazing. And also, nothing makes me happier than saying they're from Amazon, and they were like eight dollars. I think they were sixteen for three. But anyway, um, I love chic things that are cheap. I Do you have that. others that yeah, what you would recommend? Other? Other sites? No, just or like just other, other finds. chic, cheap finds. So I'm a full, I like, I wear drugstore makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a full-blown drugstore makeup person. Like, I am, I wear Olay cream, I wear Maybelline, I wear L'Oreal, I wear, I mean, I am not someone who's spending, like, money on that. Um, I will, I'll, I will, I honestly buy quite a lot from Amazon. Like I'll, because when you know what you're looking for, like Mm -hmm. if I'm looking for like leather leggings, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need real leather leggings so they can stretch out two days after I wear them and then never be the same again, right? Leather leggings from Helmet Lang were like the worst purchase I ever made because they stretched out yeah, and then like they were just like baggy and, and then gross. what? Like yeah, you spent a thousand dollars on them. Yeah, like, it's insane. So I will, I will put you know really specific searches into Amazon, and I see what comes up and buy it. And if it's not good, then it's not good. I'm also someone who is very. Um, I have a very quick trigger finger with Instagram shopping. Like me too. These brands, Same. these random brands pop up, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Buy. You know, twenty dollar dress here, thirty dollar dress there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're always impossible to return. But at that point, you're like, I'll just keep it. Yeah, I'll use it as a rag <laughs> for, for my cleaning, for it's, my Windexing. It's a great dish towel. It's a great dish towel. So, last question that we're going to end on is the signature red lip still Maybelline? Okay, so it is not Maybelline today. Okay, I do have Maybelline. Um, Lipsticks that I wear. It's the red that you always wore back in the day. Red Revival. Red Revival. That was Maybelline. Do um, they still make it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you switched because they just no, continued. So, so Red Revival is very blue. Okay. It is a winter color. Okay. Um, and also, so I color my hair myself. And when I change my color or if my mixture is a little different, that will throw off my entire makeup. Got it. So the makeup has to change every time the hair color changes. So what's today's red lips? So you know? today, yeah. Do I know? Is this I don't your know. summer I don't know red? I mean, is this sky blue? Of course I know. I know. When any female tells you they don't know what lipstick they're wearing, that is a lie. That means they don't want you to have it. I mean, sometimes I don't know the name of the color. But you'll take it out of your bag. Yeah, and I have it on it. me. No, sometimes people, like, I've stopped people, like, oh my God, I love your lipstick. And they're like, oh, I don't know what it is. It's like, okay, well, is it in your bag? Like, yeah. let me see. Like, what, yeah. what is it? I hate that. Um, this is Sephora's brand cream lip stain. So it's the oh, one I've that looks like great. a lip gloss. Yeah. So it's great. It's 01 red. However, the uh, formula is very drying. Mm. Liquid lipsticks are the worst with that. So I use chapstick on it. So do you just let it dry and then put chapstick over it? Mm-hmm. It looks great. Your lips looks don't great. Like dry yeah. at all. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But they've peeled off before from it. So mm-hmm. the chapstick helps a lot. The Stila one used to always make my lips like peel off and fall. The Stila one makes it bleeds. Yeah. I used to feel like that was all over my face. <laughs> this one doesn't. One. This one doesn't move. Like people, that I'll like be living or like I'll be on vacation or with people who are with me like all day long, and they're like amazed. Like I can eat, nothing happens. Wow! I'm and gonna I, order that one tomorrow when I place my next Sephora order, which is a problem. <laughs> Add it to your Lisa list. Yeah, it's on the. <laughs> it's gonna be on the list with the drunk elephant bronzing drops I have to order. What Ooh. is that? Oh my God, there are these amazing little 
So you, it's it looks like bronzer, like in in a um, in a tube, but it's concentrated. So you add like one drop to your moisturizer, and it just makes your skin like so glowy and like kind of tan. Wow, it's a good hack. Yeah, and it's natural. Good. Yeah. Well, Aliza. Thank you so much for being here. Oh. This has been such a blast. It, first of all, thank you both for inviting me. It was so much fun. I'm such a fan. And I'm like, it's happy to come back anytime. It and was a true honor to have you here. Thank you. And thank we'll you. let our audience know when your podcast launches yes. so that they can also listen to more of you. Thank you. But you get your own what we like to call desperation minute. So this is when you get to just tell our audience, like, what can they do? Like, where can they find you? Where should they follow you? Buy your book? Like, all the things. Oh, cool. Okay. So Leave Your Mark is um, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. If you're in another country, you can find it in another language. Yes, Russian or Chinese. Um, Or Spanish. Or Spanish. And um, I'm Instagram is Aliza Licht XO because someone took my name back in the day and I was never able to get it back. Uh, Twitter, Aliza Licht. My website's alizalicht.com. And I have um, a portal on there called Ask Aliza where people can write in career advice questions and I answer each and every one of them. And you can also subscribe to my career advice newsletter, Blackboard, on that site as well. Go do all of that. Do the things. You won't regret it. Do those things. And then when Leave Your Mark podcast comes out, I will be sending that to my subscription newsletter people. So that's a great way to hear about when it launches. Perfect. And we'll definitely plug it here too. Thank yes. you. Since it was my idea and all. It was. Exactly. <laughs> totally. It totally was. It's Grace's second podcast. <laughs> I'm going to edit it for you too now. Grace is a shareholder in the New York podcast. <laughs> Better oh do well. <laughs> well, thanks, Aliza. Thanks, ladies. So it is time to talk about our beloved night pillow. The night pillow is a memory foam pillow with a silk case that wants to support a better you one night at a time. I talk about this all the time and I feel like a broken record, but I'm so obsessed with mine. I'm a terrible sleeper. I've struggled with insomnia my whole life. So this has really helped me. Um, I've been using mine for four years. I've been saying three, but it's four. The memory foam is really great and it's super supportive. It's like a, I like a flat pillow and this is that. It's not fluffy. It's just like very soft and supportive. And Tyrion loves it too. I I will wake up and he'll be just like, he'll be on his own night pillow all stretched out. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that you enjoy my expensive pillow, but cool. What a luxurious boy. Such a luxurious boy. So you've probably seen it on Instagram, maybe on ours, but it's also beloved by celebs like Madonna and Kim Kardashian. Very fancy. And um, I've been using mine for a few months and I'm really obsessed. I'm a side sleeper and it gives me such good support, but it bounces back if I toss and turn in the night, which I do a lot. Um, yeah, it's a good pillow. I did something kind of funny this week. Um, oh, you did after this, it was all over our Instagram as well. And my Instagram and the night pillow Instagram. So I kind of said, you know, my looking for in my hinge profile had said looking for someone to watch Game of Thrones with. And so I needed a new tagline. So I changed it to looking to for someone to share my night pillow with. I have two and they're the best pillow ever. You guys, this might be one of the most effective taglines I've had on social media. I mean, I don't think I've had any dates from it, but I think I've sold a lot of pillows. 
Oh, good. Are you giving them our code? Yes. I'm like, I should put that in the bio too. That might be a little much. Maybe in the combo. Just drop it in the combo. Yeah. yeah. So as if it wasn't enough that this is the most comfortable pillow, it's also great for your skin and your hair. So the cover is silk and it helps to preserve a blowout, which is really major for me because I usually can't get more than one night out of a blowout. And it's really good for your skin. So if you want to give the night pillow a try, visit www.discovernight.com to learn about the night pillow and their other luxurious beauty sleep products. Just a hot tip, like throw some of those sheet masks in your cart because they leave your skin so plumped up and glowy. I think there's gold in in them. They're magical. Um, And take 20% off using code BOP20. So that's discovernight.com with code BOP20 to get 20% off. And we always like to tell people that they have a 101 night return policy. So if you're skeptical, but you want to try it, you can order it, sleep on it, try it for yourself. And I would be shocked if you return it, but you can. So let's talk about obsessions. Yes. Becca, what are you obsessed with right now? So my house, as always, this is going to be through the summer. So just buckle up, people. But one journey I have been on is for shades. And um, window treatments are crazy expensive. So expensive. It's so insane. So I had... Especially when you're renting, because you can't really take them with you. I mean, I guess you can. Yeah, but but like, what are the odds that you're going to have the same number of windows, that they're going to be the same sizes? Like, probably not. So you're doing it for your current apartment. So I had um, Hunter Douglas and the Shade Store come out. Both quotes were over $5,000. Oh, my God. I know. There's a lot of windows in my apartment, so... It's, it's kind of a champagne problem, but I, I was might like, do this too. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And yeah. um, my decorator had another client who recommended this service. It's called Meskin, M-E-S-K-E-N. And they do custom shades and curtains. And I'm pretty sure that they ship nationwide. But if you're in New York, they'll send somebody out to measure for you. So you know you get the right ones. And they have a ton of fabrics. It's all custom it is so much cheaper. Like it feels to me um, like this is kind of like the D to C like Warby Parker version of. I'm on their website a, a right now. Store. This sounds like an ad. It's not an ad. I'm on their website right now. It looks so nice. I know. I I have a ton of samples upstairs. You can feel I really them. I want light blocking ones for my bedroom. I got light blocking ones for my bedroom. Yeah, this is exciting. I know. Um, it was like about a third of the price of what other places were. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Um, I've been working with them. I have mine ordered. They're not installed yet. But I am very excited about this discovery in case anyone else is looking because... Oh, these look so nice. I'm on their website. Like Again, this sounds like an ad. Like They're not working with us. No, I wish they were, but... um, They're so nice. Yeah, I'm really... I'm excited. Did you spell it? It's M-E-S-K-E-N? Yeah, I did. Okay. Are you listening to me? No, I'm not. As one of our reviews said that I just... Wait till till it's one of our reviews that I don't just wait say to that. Stop. No, I won't say that. I'm not listening to you, Becca. Sorry, I was shopping for shades. That's understandable. Um, what about you? What is yours? I'm looking at the outline and I'm like, huh? So mine is. So I've been like a little bit tired and burnt out. And last night, last night was Friday. I just was like, I can't physically do any more work. Like I was just like, I'm so tired so I did what I always do which is I cruised Netflix to find a new show to obsess over and 
it was very sad because I I was caught up on Bold Type, I was caught up on Younger, and I was caught up on Handmaid's Tale. Oh my god, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to watch Younger. Oh, it's so good. I forgot it was back. Yeah. So I watched a show called The Imposters, and there's two seasons of it right now. And it's really fun. It's just about this woman who's a con artist and like this whole like business. I love shows about like people who run cons. Like maybe I want to be a con artist in my next life. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying it. It's just a fun show. It's like kind of mindless. You can, I always like a show where like I can kind of like look at my phone if I want to, but like still be up to speed on what's going on. Yeah. That's like a specific mood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was my mood last night. And I think I watched seven episodes. Wow. Yeah. I was really into it. Wow. Um, what about on Instagram? So on Instagram, I am working on, so this will have gone up on my blog already, but I'm working on a, like a master roundup of like all the best book people to follow on Instagram. So definitely check that out. Yeah. You're going to like it. I found some people you're going to want to follow because I find that I get so many of my book recommendations, um, from Instagram, like Ashley Spivey, um, NYC book girl, those two, but I was like, I want to find more. So I found this girl and I think that she might be me. Um, I mean, not really, but our blogs are so similar. It's called Ink and Fable. And I think she describes herself as a literary lifestyle blog. So she's posting her outfits and her travels and her adventures. And she's like, she's like much prettier than me. So I shouldn't say like that I'm her, but she is so stylish and put together. But she loves like all the same things as me, like fashion and beauty and travel. But she also loves books and posts all these beautiful book photos and things to um and books to read frankly grace this is good to know i'm i'm on her instagram right now and i followed it it does look good but if your mom does social creature you i probably don't want to go into business with her because i would be afraid she would murder me too you can find, so i'm gonna get this girl yeah her name's patience um her blog is called ink and fable it's really really well done and i like i i always am like oh i know every influencer i know everything and then I was like, this person I have never seen, and I love everything she does. So that was fun to find. But go to my blog, you guys, because I have all of the best book Instagrams. And it's taken me, like, a very long time to pull this together. Am I'm I on your it. list? Yes, obviously. Oh, good. Yeah. I think she's pulling my chain. Um, so mine, I feel very You have a lot more about. followers than a lot of these bookstagrammers, by the way. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I feel very conflicted about mine. I put mine on here earlier this week, and then I found out something about it. So I was obsessed with it, too, but I think I found out the same thing as you. So there's this account called Just a Construction Guy, and it's this construction guy who is basically trolling all of the Instagram... It's so funny. ...like tropes. Yeah. Of, like, you know, he has one with, like... You know that Instagram account with the hand reaching out and the girl is reaching back? Yes. He has follow one, me too. Yeah, he has yeah. like one of those. He has latte art. He has latte art. They're, it's so funny. And he's just this like construction dude in Austin, Texas. And I have been laughing so hard at his Instagrams over the past week. But then I found out that apparently it's a marketing campaign for a coffee company. And I was really mad because... I had a feeling and yeah, I heard the same thing. Yeah, I was really mad. But then at the same time, I was like, that's a genius marketing idea. It's so smart. He has like 300 and some odd followers. 300,000 yeah. some odd followers. Um, I still think it's funny. Yeah, I do too. But I was like a little bummed. But I had this feeling because the photography is so good. Right. Like if he really was like just a construction guy, like, mm, like the photos wouldn't be as good as they are. 
I know. I still love it, though. I didn't unfollow. Yeah, I, I still follow as well. What about on reading? So I am reading. This is, you're going to like laugh at me because this is more of a Becca book to read. It's like, I'm a, not going to laugh at you. I'm going to steal it from you. Yeah. So do you guys read Jane? Jane do you guys read Jane Green? Um, she was one of my favorite authors like back in the day. Like, she wrote In Her Shoes. Yeah. She wrote um, Jemima J. She, she's written so many great books. But I got my hands on a copy of The Friends We Keep, and it's out. I thought it was an early copy, but it's not. And I love her. So this one is about three friends from college. And I'm not far enough in to tell you much about the plot, but what I've gathered from like the description is that it's these three friends from college, and none of their lives really turn out the way they thought they would. And so it sounds like a little bit sad, but I think it's going to be uplifting because all of her books always are. I'll give it to you when I'm done. Sorry, I was swallowing wine. Yeah, I do want that. We're drinking wine in a can today. Yeah, it's wonderful from Prophecy. Um, so on my side, I have not been doing a lot of reading this month. Um, I haven't either. Like, I read when we're at our live shows, but... I don't because I've been doing work. Yeah. Uh, I've... Um, I've well, been... We have to condense all our work into a shorter week. Yeah, so I've been doing work on the way to and from our live shows and I I haven't had a lot of reading time because then when I'm home I'm doing apartment stuff so um I'm a little delinquent this month but I'm still reading three women and um this is kind of embarrassing but um I started it over because we picked it for our August book for our book club and we oh we announced our books on uh Instagram and Facebook so we're doing um American Spy in July we're doing three women in August and we're doing American Royals in September so I'm really excited about all of them but because we picked it I was like well I might as well go back start from the beginning at beginning and write the outline and the questions while I'm doing it so I'm literally five pages further than I was last week oops oops oh I didn't say I read American Royals and I loved it oh my god it's so good it's so good I read it in like two days I know it's such a um it's such a quick read, but I liked that this is the same author who did uh, The Thousandth Floor. I liked that this one was very feminist. Like, it felt like it had a little bit of an agenda, which I liked. Yeah, I loved that, too. So, yeah. So I'm just still reading Three Women. Still really enjoying it. Highly recommend it, but did not necessarily get far. Yeah. So that's what we got for you today. Yeah. But if you'd like more of us, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, obviously you want so much more of us. You can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. And definitely come join the Facebook and try to win some Daryl Lee real twists. Yes. We also have like a couple other fun giveaways coming up. So. We do. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So we will see you next week. Yes. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.